Hello again, everyone. Today is Sunday, July 24th, 2016, here in the Philippines. And my name is Tom Kuntz with episode 26 of my Snutcast. Today, I want to talk about protecting ourselves in this often crazy world in which we live by putting on the whole armor of God. So with that, let's get started. We learn about the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 17. This is what it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the, of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Well, there are six key pieces to this armor, and I want to talk about each one of them briefly. The six components are taking the helmet of salvation, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having our loins girt about with truth, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, taking the shield of faith, and taking the sword of the Spirit. So let's talk about the first one, the helmet of salvation. I want to start by reading 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Let me reemphasize this last part of this verse an helmet, the hope of salvation. To me, this verse reminds us that we must protect the most important knowledge we can have, and that is the knowledge of the hope of salvation that is available to us through the atonement of Jesus Christ and the great plan of happiness. This is reinforced by King Benjamin as recorded in Mosiah chapter 4. Quote, I say unto you, if ye have come to a knowledge of the goodness of God and his matchless power and his wisdom, and his patience, and his long-suffering towards the children of men, and also the atonement which has been prepared from the foundation of the world, that thereby salvation might come to him that should put his trust in the Lord, and should be diligent in keeping his commandments, and continue in the faith even unto the end of his life. I say, this is the man who receiveth salvation, through the atonement which was prepared from the foundation of the world for all mankind." Unquote. Having the helmet of salvation means that we know that Jesus Christ atoned for our sins and therefore that we can repent and be forgiven. Truly, this is the good news of the gospel. This knowledge protects us by giving us perspective and understanding of our purpose here on earth. It also protects us from the effects of sins for which we have not repented. The second item is the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what does this breastplate protect? Among other things, it protects our most vital organ, our hearts. As we know, the heart pumps blood throughout the body via the circulatory system, supplying oxygen and nutrients to the tissues and removing carbon dioxide and other waste. Without a healthy heart, our quality of life is greatly impacted and our lifespan is greatly decreased. In Alma chapter 49, verse 24, we read, there were about 50 who were wounded who had been exposed to the arrows of the Lamanites through the pass, but they were shielded by their shields and their breastplates and their headplates, insomuch that there were, that 
that their wounds were up on their legs, many of which were very severe. So wherever the Nephites had armor, they received no injuries. Where they had none, they had wounds, many which were severe. This is, this is on the physical side. Now let's take this one step further and talk about the spiritual side of things. If we are filled with pride and self-importance, then our hearts can be considered hard and cold hearts of stone. This kind of heart would not need much protection. I mean, rock is pretty hard already. However, a soft, humble heart could easily be damaged and would need protection. Interestingly enough, though, when we think about this in a spiritual sense, the exact opposite is true. When we have a soft heart, we are humble and teachable. We desire to do the Lord's will, and we are prepared to receive and act on promptings. When we make a mistake, we are humble enough to admit it and then seek the strengthening and enabling power of the atonement to find forgiveness. This makes us more righteous, and that righteousness becomes a great protection for us. Thus, a broken heart and a contrite spirit is what makes for a breastplate of righteousness. So how do we develop a soft heart? We learn from 1 Nephi 2.16 that if we are filled with great desires to know the mysteries of God, and if we're willing to cry unto the Lord, then He will visit us as He did Nephi and soften our hearts. The third item is having our loins girt about with truth. On page 26 of the For Strength of Youth pamphlet, we read, When you obey God's commandment to be sexually pure, you prepare yourself to make and keep sacred covenants in the temple. You prepare yourself to build a strong marriage and to bring children into the world as part of a loving family. You protect yourself from the emotional damage that always comes from sharing physical intimacies with someone outside of marriage. In Moroni chapter 9, verse 9, we learn that chastity and virtue is most pure and precious above all things. In John chapter 8, we learn that when we know the truth, that the truth shall make us free. Free from what? Well, free from sin, free from the consequences of immorality. This is what I believe having our loins girt about with truth is all about. In Elder Jeffrey R. Holland's book titled Of Soul, Symbols, and Sacraments, he explains that our bodies are gifts that should not be tarnished by immoral activities. He says that the Savior purchased our bodies with his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, and so we owe it to him to keep them clean. He further explained that immorality damages both our bodies and our spirits, and that immorality leads to hate and not love. You see, when our loins are girt with truth, we understand and receive the blessings and protections that come with being pure and virtuous. Item four, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. I want to first refer to Abinadi's words found in Mosiah 15, verses 15 through 18. And oh, how beautiful upon the mountains were their feet. And again, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that are still publishing peace. And again, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who shall hereafter publish peace. Yea, from this time, henceforth and forever. And behold, I say unto you, this is not all. For, oh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that is the founder of peace, yea, even the Lord, who has redeemed his people, yea, him who has granted salvation unto his people. Well, this scripture has significant meaning for the 74,000 full-time LDS missionaries serving today throughout the world. So why is having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel a part of the armor of God? 
Well, for me, it is about our worthiness and our willingness, regardless of our age, to be worthy and prepared to serve a mission when called. To take it a step further, when we willingly open our mouth to share the gospel with our friends, there are great blessings available. In the February 1983 ensign, President Kimball said this about these blessings, quote, Sharing the gospel brings peace and joy into our own lives, enlarges our own hearts and souls in behalf of others, increases our own faith, strengthens our, strengthens our own relationship with the Lord, and increases our own understanding of gospel truths, unquote. I think there is something else we can learn about the symbolism of having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. I believe there is great meaning in the direction that our feet are pointed, since we are always traveling in that direction. If they are pointed towards the temple and the celestial kingdom, then we will travel in that same direction. Item 5, the shield of faith. During the time of the Roman Empire, Roman soldiers would build their shields out of wood and then cover them with leather. Why would they cover their shields with leather? Because in many of their battles, their enemies would shoot arrows with fire on their tips. Because the leather would not burn like the dried wood beneath it, one could say that it would, quote, put out the fiery darts of the adversary, end quote. In order to understand how faith might actually be a shield, I want to read Jacob 1.5. For because of faith and great anxiety, it truly had been made manifest unto us concerning our people, what things should happen unto them. Hmm, isn't that interesting? When we have faith, we can know what things will happen to us in the future. Wouldn't that be a great protection to all of us? I mean, when we have faith, we act differently from those who do not. The prophet Joseph Smith taught in the lectures on faith that all faith is built on knowledge. And he said that there are three levels of faith built on these three levels of knowledge. The first level, knowledge that God exists. Isn't it obvious that someone who believes in God acts very differently from someone who does not? Level two, knowledge of God's characteristics and attributes, which we can learn about in the scriptures among other places. You see, when we understand his characteristics and attributes, then our faith can be greater because we will understand his counsel better. We will know what to expect from him and we can more easily align our lives to his will for us. Level three, Knowledge that our lives are in harmony with the will of God. When we know this, there is nothing that we cannot ask, save it will be given to us, because he knows we will not ask amiss. You see, the more we know about God, the greater will be our own faith. This will protect us from doing things that would make us unhappy. I guess you could call these the personal fiery darts of the adversary. One more thing about the shield of faith. It happens to be the only piece of this defensive armor that isn't fixed in place. The enemy of all righteousness will always target us wherever we are currently most vulnerable. The good thing about a shield is that we can rely on it to help out if another part of our armor is weak. If people struggle with different parts of their testimony and Satan tries to sow seeds of doubt on an obscure point, then, as Elder Holland taught us, we can focus on our faith because, quote, what we know will always trump what we do not know, unquote. Item six, the sword of the Spirit. Going back to the scripture in Ephesians that I started with, when it mentions the sword of the Spirit, it plainly tell us what, tells us what it is. It is simply the word of God. Everything else I have mentioned today is a defensive piece of armor. The sword, however, is actually offensive. In other words, 
You can impact others with the sword. All of these other pieces of armor just protect us. So if this sword represents the word of God, why is it part of the whole armor of God? Well, I want to offer up an explanation. In Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 6, section 6, verse 2, it says, Behold, I am God. Give heed unto my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to dividing asunder of both joints and marrow. Therefore, give heed unto my words. And in Doctrine and Covenants, section 33, verse 1, it says, Behold, I say unto you, my servants Ezra and Northrop, open ye your ears and hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, whose word is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow, soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let me first say something about joints and marrow. Without the marrow, the joint is made up of bone and tissue that is essentially dead. Marrow, on the other hand, gives life, as that is the origin of blood. Using this symbolism, I want to apply it to the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit can help us divide asunder those things that are alive versus those things that are dead, or better yet, the spiritual from the temporal. When we come to know the Word of God, it fills us with the Spirit. This is especially true of the Book of Mormon. The second scripture in Doctrine and Covenants section 33 even says that the Word of God can help us discern thoughts and intents of the heart. This, I believe, makes it easy to see how important the sword of the Spirit is to the whole armor of God. When we understand the Word of God, it not only impacts us, but it can also influence others and help them to discern between spiritual and temporal things. I want to share with you a statement made by a good friend of mine, Rob Ellis, about the imagery of the sword of the Spirit. Here's what he said. Quote, the imagery made me think about how attackers can swarm you if you all have, if all you have is defensive armor. But once you swing the sword, the attackers have to back up and give you more space. Every time we feel the spirit, the clamor of the world dies down and we get more breathing space. Like the words of the hymn, temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. End quote. That really helped me to understand better how the sword of the Spirit can protect us. Well, in summary, I want to reemphasize just how important it is for all of us to put on the whole armor of God every single day of our lives. Again, number one, the helmet of salvation, knowing and understanding the plan of salvation whose centerpiece is the atonement of Christ. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness, living righteously every day of our lives having a soft heart, being humble, teachable, willing to listen for and act upon spiritual promptings. Number three, having our loins girt about with truth, knowing the law of chastity and living it fully and completely. Number four, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, keeping our feet pointed and walking towards the temple and a worthy mission regardless of our age. Number five, the shield of faith, developing greater faith by reading the scriptures and praying sincerely and then listening so that we can come to know God. And number six, the sword of the Spirit, having the Spirit with us to discern between temporal things and eternal things and then making appropriate choices. When we have put on the entire armor of God, truly the adversary can have no power over us and we will be protected. That concludes episode 26. Putting on the whole armor of God is becoming increasingly important in these troubled and chaotic times in which we live. I hope we can all make it a priority to wear our armor 
every single day. Until next week, keep the faith. Thank you.